Well, hey, friends, good to be with you today. A quick personal word before we begin. Uh, for those of you who don't know, both my parents have passed away in the past few weeks. Uh, we laid my mom to rest just yesterday in a beautiful spot right alongside my dad and her parents. It's been a strange few weeks, to be sure. Moments of sadness, obviously, but also moments of gladness and gratitude for their lives and their legacy and for the Lord's grace to us during this time. And your love, your support has been a big part of that grace. So thank you for all of it. And thanks for another opportunity to process all of it a bit with you as we open the scriptures together today. Now, the teaching team offered to cover for me this week, but once again, preaching feels like what I want to do right now. And, and I'll take a breather next week. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a buzz in the air these days about Jesus. Some of it is typical for this time of year. The season we call Lent began on Ash Wednesday this past week, which means that Easter is coming. And along with it, news magazines with Jesus on the cover and, and reruns of Jesus movies on TV. The streaming series The Chosen is now in its third season and picking up steam having hit 400 million views worldwide. And this weekend, another film is being released called The Jesus Revolution, which tells the story of the Jesus People movement back in the 1970s. Uh, I've told you too many times, probably, about how that movement set our sleepy church youth group on fire and how God used it to call a bushy-haired teenager into the ministry. And maybe you've heard reports about the revival happening at Asbury College, a Christian college in Wilmore, Kentucky. Students gathered for the weekly chapel service on Wednesday, February 8th, and basically never left. After two weeks of round-the-clock singing, praying, and testimonies, the service had to be moved off campus to accommodate the tens of thousands of visitors coming to participate. All of this to say that Jesus is trending right now. And I don't mean that as flippantly as it sounds. Something is happening. Whether it's just a cultural phenomenon or a fresh wind of the Spirit, we don't know exactly. But whatever it is, we want to lean into it as we head into this season called Lent. And this new message series we're calling I Am. For the next eight weeks, we're going to be considering the seven I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate or the door, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, the vine, the resurrection, and the life. And then the Sunday after Easter, a bonus I am that we're not going to reveal yet. Well, all of this is in keeping with our ministry theme for the year, which is disciple-making, with God, with others, for the world. And we're discovering what it means to be a disciple and make disciples of Jesus. So in the fall, we talked about the with God life, from the story of Moses and the Exodus. In the winter, we talked about the with others life, looking at the one another's of the New Testament. And in the spring, we'll be discovering what a for-the-world life looks like. And you're going to love the scripture text for that series. 
But if discipleship and disciple-making are about anything, they're about being with Jesus, who, who is the very embodiment of a with God, with others, for the world life. So the next eight weeks, we'll be considering what Jesus had to say about himself. Because it turns out, the better we understand who Jesus is and why he came and what his life was all about, the better we understand who we are and why we're here and what our lives are all about. Now, for some reason, we chose to begin with the Good Shepherd from John 10 even though it's actually the fourth I am statement chronologically. And in the providence of God, it turns out that John 10 was the very passage I was reading to my mother when she passed into the Lord's presence last Saturday morning. I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end of the message, but right now, let's read from John 10, which is an extended metaphor on Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And as I read it, I'll share some photos taken by a friend and Gordon Conwell professor named Tim Laniak, who spent several months living with and studying Middle Eastern shepherds. So listen as I read John 10, 1 through 16, and then we'll come back and take a closer look. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. When Jesus identified himself as the good shepherd, he was tapping into a rich and familiar image from the Hebrew scriptures. All the way back in Genesis, God is described as the shepherd, the rock of Israel. In his most famous psalm, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Isaiah says of God, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. But then here comes this itinerant rabbi from nowhere claiming to be that shepherd. He doesn't say, I'm like the good shepherd or I'm from the good shepherd. 
He very intentionally says, I am the good shepherd. Using that personal name God gave to Moses at the burning bush, I am that I am. It was such an unequivocal declaration of deity that when he was done with the teaching, half the crowd was in awe of him and half the crowd thought he was a raving lunatic or demoniac. But make no mistake, Jesus was being both instructive and provocative when he identified himself as the Good Shepherd. Now, I'm guessing that uh, most of us city slickers don't know much about sheep or shepherding. So, a little background will help as we prepare to explore this metaphor. Now, first of all, we have to understand that the wilderness, or the desert, where sheep and shepherds spent most of their time, was a difficult and dangerous place. Barren, for the most part, exposed to the elements, inhabited by all manner of predators, and a haunt for thieves and robbers. So, a tough environment in which to survive, let alone thrive. Secondly, we have to understand that that sheep are among the most senseless, defenseless, and dependent animals on earth. Now, I won't belabor the point for some obvious reasons, but we'll talk more about it as we go. And thirdly, we need to know that shepherds were not kindly caregivers holding cuddly lambs, as one commentator puts it. They were rough and tumble laborers who came home at the end of their shift dirty, bloody, and smelly. But for some reason, they loved those dirty, bloody, smelly creatures. So, in case you're not connecting the dots here, let me lay it out for us. Like the Judean wilderness, the world we live in can be a difficult and dangerous place. And like sheep, we and our fellow human beings are vulnerable, dependent, and sometimes foolish creatures in need of someone strong and courageous and compassionate to watch over us. And like a shepherd, Jesus will do whatever it takes to secure our well-being, even at the cost of his own life. So as I've reflected on this text over the years, and in light of the past few weeks, it seems to me a good shepherd does at least three things for the flock. First, a good shepherd guides. Let's look again at verses 2 through 4. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. There were two kinds of sheepfolds in the ancient world. Larger, more substantial corrals in the village, shared by several shepherds, and then smaller, makeshift sheepfolds out in the wilderness. And Jesus refers to both of them in this teaching, but here he's, he's referring to that larger village sheepfold. At the end of the day, shepherds would bring their flocks in from the fields and leave them in one of these community corrals with a caretaker or gatekeeper watching them overnight. In the morning, shepherds would come and pick up their sheep, and the gatekeeper would release the animals into the care of their particular shepherd. 
Now, it's not hard to imagine that being a pretty chaotic scene, trying to sort out hundreds of critters and, and match them with the right shepherd. I'm guessing all these sheep look pretty much the same to us. But it turns out a good shepherd knows their sheep, individually even. And the sheep, in turn, know their shepherd. A commentator named Gary Burge tells the story of a modern-day Palestinian shepherd who came to claim some of her sheep that had been wrongfully confiscated by some Israeli soldiers. The soldier in charge challenged her claim. There were hundreds of sheep being held. How could she possibly know which ones belonged to her? At which point her young son took out a flute and began to play a simple tune. Immediately, all over the flock, individual sheep began lifting up their heads and then moving in the direction of their shepherd. Reluctantly, or might we say sheepishly, the soldier released the sheep into her care and they followed her out. A good shepherd guides. Because without guidance, sheep will wander off in every direction or stay so long in the same place that they completely wear out the pasture that they're in. Sheep have been known to follow each other right off the edge of a cliff, dozens of them falling to their deaths on the rocks below. Here's a picture of a flock of sheep making their way up a steep hillside, likely in search of water or pasture. I'm pretty sure the sheep didn't decide to climb that hill on their own. <laughs> you can see the shepherd out in front leading them. Sheep need guidance. And so do human beings. <laughs> we're, we're not as dumb as sheep, but we don't always know what's good for us. We don't always know what to do with our lives, our careers, our money, our relationships. So we look for, for people to follow. Parents, peers, mentors, influencers. That's not always bad. But they don't always know what to do either. They might just be leading us off a cliff. And with so many options and influencers out there, how do we know which is the right one for us and, and for the people around us? Enter Jesus, the Good Shepherd. He knows us by name. He knows what's good for us, for each of us in particular. He knows what's out there, where the green pastures and quiet waters are. He knows the way through the wilderness of this world, and he'll guide us if we listen for his voice. Now, we don't have time today to talk about all the ways he guides us, but, but, but we've done that before. Scripture as we read and study and reflect on the stories and truths of the Bible, reason, as we use the minds God gave us, counsel, as we seek out friends and advisors who know us well, especially those who know the Lord well, circumstances, the opening and closing of doors of opportunity, and ultimately by His Spirit, who helps us synthesize all of these, and then whispers from within, this is the way. Walk in it. Well, I experienced the Lord's guidance in a very particular and tangible way last weekend. 
Uh, my mom went into the hospital that Thursday, uh, but there didn't seem to be a sense of immediacy about it. I got a call from the nurse on Friday morning, letting me know that, that things were moving along. Now, I wasn't planning on going down right then. I had just seen her the weekend before and, and had a couple of commitments at church that weekend. But as I hung up the phone, something inside me said, go. Just get in the car and go. Fifteen minutes later, I was on my way to what would turn out to be my last visit with my mom. I will forever be grateful for what I believe was my shepherd's voice speaking to me through that nurse. Are you trusting the good shepherd to guide you? Are you spending time in the scripture in the morning, uh, seeking wisdom and direction for the day, or, or in the evening as you reflect on the day? Do you have godly friends and advisors in your life? Are you consciously seeking and yielding to the Spirit as you make your way through the day? A good shepherd guides. Well, secondly, a good shepherd provides. Let's look again at verses 7 through 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, Jesus actually mixes his metaphors here and introduces another one of his I am statements. I am the gate. So we're going to save most of this text for another week. But I do want to call attention to that one phrase, they will come in and go out and find pasture. Like any living creature, sheep need the essentials of life, food, water, and rest. And a good shepherd makes sure they have the right amounts of all those things. David elaborates on it in those famous lines from Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Providing for sheep isn't as easy as it sounds. Pastures and quiet waters can be hard to find in the wilderness. In fact, good shepherds don't just find green pastures, they actually cultivate green pastures, planting and maintaining them throughout the changing seasons of the year. And sheep need a balanced diet, different kinds of grass to meet their nutritional needs. And those quiet waters can quickly become a raging torrent in the rainy season or a dry riverbed in times of drought. Rest can be hard for sheep to come by. They're restless creatures, literally, and won't lay down till they feel safe and secure. And sometimes what the sheep want isn't good for them. They want to keep eating or drinking until they sicken themselves. Or they want to eat and drink what's not good for them. So a good shepherd provides what the sheep need, but not always what they want. 
And we can trust our good shepherd to provide what we need. Not just materially, food and shelter and clothing, but relationally and emotionally and spiritually. A good shepherd wants the sheep to thrive. And and the Lord wants us to thrive, to live life to the full, as we read in verse 10. And I think most of us have probably experienced that. Most of us would probably have no problem seeing the words of that great hymn, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Now, it's not to say it's always come easy. Nor is it to say that we have everything we want in life. But what we've needed, materially, spiritually, the Lord has provided. Now, as I, as I was preparing this part of the message, I got to wondering how it would preach in more needy parts of the world, where food and shelter and clothing are much harder to come by, even for believers who trust God just as much as you and I do. Would they say the Lord has been a good shepherd in terms of provision? Now, I, I can't answer for them, obviously, but I can remember visits I've made to some of those very needy places. A a poor farmer's mud hut in rural Chad. A tin shack in the slums of Kibera, Kenya. A peasant home in the Moldovan countryside. Garbage villages on the outskirts of Guatemala City or Cairo, Egypt. In all those places, I've found believers who beamed with the presence of Christ, who shared freely with us what little they had, and who testified to God's goodness and faithfulness to them. I won't pretend to understand that, and I'm humbled by it. But in my experience, Jesus' followers everywhere can join David in saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack no good Now, my mother would have testified to that. My parents never made a lot of money. One was an educator, the other a social worker. But they worked hard and somehow always had enough. Enough to meet our needs, to have a little bit of fun along the way, and to give generously to the work of God in the world. My my mom's life verse was Psalm 1611 in the King James Version. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Are you trusting the good shepherd to provide what you need? Do you acknowledge his provision as you sit down for meals two or three times a day? Are you... Are you taking full advantage of the opportunities he provides to work, to earn, to save? Are you generous with what he has provided so that those in need might also have the opportunity to thrive? A good shepherd guides, a good shepherd provides, and thirdly, a good shepherd protects. Let's look at verses 11 through 15. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. As I said, the wilderness was a dangerous place. Weather extremes that could change in an instant. Wolves, lions, and bear always on the prowl for a stray lamb or an untended flock. Rustlers and, and robbers roaming the hills. Shepherds had to be prepared to fight. <laughs> well, when a young shepherd named David volunteered to fight the giant Goliath, he told his detractors, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And when an older David reflected on a lifetime of earthly and spiritual struggles, he wrote, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David acknowledges that, that like the wilderness, the world is a dangerous place. Bad things happen to us. Death happens to us. Enemies come against us, including our spiritual enemy, the thief, as Jesus calls him, who comes to steal and kill and destroy. But we have a good shepherd who comes to give us life, and we can trust him to protect us. Now, when David says, I will fear no evil, he's not promising that, that evil will never happen to us. He's promising that evil will never get to us. It will never win the day. Uh, the shepherd will see us through that dark valley and bring us safely to the other side, even when the other side is the life to come. My mother could could testify to that. Uh, as, as I've shared with you once before, uh, my mother's father was mugged and murdered in New York City when she was a young mom, about 35. I was 12 at the time. It was a tragic and violent loss and evil in every way. And as Karen and I were going through some papers the other day, we came across the manuscript of a talk my mom gave at, at a Grace Chapel women's gathering just about nine years ago. It was the first and only time she ever spoke about my grandfather's death in public. Listen to what she wrote. For months and months, I felt like I could never be happy again. The world had changed for me. I didn't trust joy or happiness. It wasn't that I questioned God. Hadn't he watched his own son die a terrible death? He knew what I was going through. David once testified, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It took a long while for morning to come for me, but gradually, through God's word and a caring husband's prayers, I learned that my faith in Christ was not just for days of blessing, it was for nights of pain and grief as well. Sometimes the path is rough and steep. Nevertheless, God keeps us in his presence all the way.
Are you trusting the good shepherd to protect you and your loved ones from evil? Again, the Lord never promises that, that bad things won't happen to us. In fact, he pretty much promises the opposite, that in this world we will have trouble. Does he sometimes keep bad things from happening to us? Yes, I believe he does. And probably far more often than we are aware of. When you think of all the bad things that can happen on any given day. But what he promises is that those bad things can't get to us. They can't destroy our faith. They can't separate us from his love. They can't thwart his good purposes. And they can't rob us of abundant and eternal life. So putting it all together, what we're learning about Jesus from this I am statement is that because Jesus is a good shepherd, we can trust him with our whole lives and with the life to come. I'll say that again. Because Jesus is the good shepherd, we can trust him with our whole lives and with the life to come. And I can tell you that this morning, not only because of the scripture we've looked at today, but because I've been living a with Jesus life for 60 some years now. And the Lord has been a good shepherd to me through all those years and in all of life's experiences, including my walk through the valley of shadows these past couple of weeks. As I said last Friday, I hopped in the car and made the seven-hour drive to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, not really knowing what was going to happen. My mother was unresponsive when I got there. She shifted a bit in the bed as I sat down and took her hand. The nurse said she knew I was there, but, but she never really opened her eyes. Now, the truth is, Mom hadn't really known who I was for the past couple of years because of her Alzheimer's. She seemed to recognize me and and knew that I was someone important to her, but she just couldn't put it all together. That evening, she seemed relatively comfortable. Her breaths were shallow, but steady. I spent the evening reading scripture and Robert Frost poetry, sharing some memories, singing a little bit, playing some music on my phone. Uh, about 10 o'clock, the nurse came in and said that she seemed to be pretty stable, so why don't I go get some rest and she promised to call me if anything changed during the night. Uh, but just before I left the room, I, I, I said to my mother, I'll be back in the morning and, and, and we'll have devotions together. My mother and I were both early birds and whenever we were visiting at one or the other's house, she and I would inevitably bump into each other early in the morning. She making her coffee and me making my tea. Uh, we'd go off to our separate rooms for our time with God, but but eventually one of us would wander into the other's space and we'd talk about what we'd been reading and thinking about. Those are always some of my favorite times with her. So, so I came back to her room early the next morning. Uh, the nurse was just taking her vitals and, and said her heart was beating pretty strong, so she thought she'd be with us for a little while longer. So I, I took out my Bible and said, Okay, Mom, let's have devotions. I'm going to be preaching from John 10 next Sunday, so maybe we can look at it together. I held her hand and started reading. And when I got to John 10.10, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. 
she, she suddenly opened her eyes for the first time and leaned towards me just a little bit. I said, it's okay, Mom. I'm here. So is Jesus. If you want to go home, it's okay. And with that, she laid her head down, took her last breath, and the Good Shepherd took her home to his right hand where there are pleasures forevermore. I will forever be grateful for the gift of that moment to be with my mom at the start of a new day, reading scripture together, and then each of us following our good shepherd through the valley of shadow and into the goodness and love he had prepared for each of us on the other side. For me, all the remaining days of my life here on earth. And for mom, in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I realize that, that every home going is not that peaceful or beautiful. I, I know that losing someone at 88 years old is not like losing them suddenly or tragically or far too young. I know that my grief is not like the grief that many of you have had to bear through far more painful and inexplicable losses. I can't explain those disappointments or, or discrepancies. All I can tell you from experience and scripture is that Jesus is a good shepherd. A shepherd you can trust with your whole life and with the life to come. So what do you need today? Guidance for some difficult season or decision? Provision for some material or spiritual need? Protection from some evil that's threatening your life or your faith? Whatever it is, listen for the voice of your shepherd today. And when you hear it, turn to him and follow. Because he's come that you might have life and have it to the full. Oh, thanks again, friends, for, for listening as I've processed all this with you and for all your love and support. It's been a real gift to me. And, and I really do love all of you. I'd like to finish by sharing the words of a song we used to sing back in the Jesus Revolution days. It was called the New 23rd back then. It's half a century old at this point, but I hope it will sound fresh and new to you today. So hear it as our closing prayer. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He lets me rest in meadows green and leads me beside the quiet stream. He keeps on giving life to me and helps me to do what honors him the most. Even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will never be afraid, for he is close beside me. Guarding, guiding all the way, he spreads a feast before me. In the presence of my enemies, he welcomes me as his special guest. With blessings overflowing, his goodness and unfailing kindness will be with me all of my life. And afterwards, I will live with him forever in his home, forever and ever in his home. Amen.